I believe a little fasting and prayer has helped our worship leader. What do you think? Listen, don't you love some enthusiasm, some engagement? Hello? I don't want a dead church. My Lord, have mercy. Wrong place. Three prayers is the title of the series, the second part. Now, I'm most excited about next week. That is right after I get through with this one this morning. This is what the Lord has given me. Uh, God's done some wonderful things. And we're going to take a look at 2 Kings, the 19th chapter, verse number 14. We have a host of people that make things happen. All the worship team this morning, first service choir, everybody engaged, all the tech people, those in the sunken booth back there. But there's a whole plethora of people up in the control studios that control the cameras from up there and all the screens and everything that goes on. Would you let them know how much you appreciate all of them and their efforts? But uh, they are so good. So here's what you're going to see is 2 Kings chapter 19. And there it is right there. So here we go. Hezekiah received the letter from the messengers and read it. How many of you read every letter you get? How many you do not read every letter you get? How many of you just don't get any letters? Yeah, there you go. Always be careful of the ones that start out with flowery language. Hello? Stop right there. Skip the rest. Get to the bottom line. If it's not the same as when it started, friend, trash it. You all with me? So he said he read it. How wonderful is that? Then he went up to the temple of the Lord and spread it out before the Lord. Now, O Lord, our God. Deliver us from his hand. He's talking about the evil king. So that all the kingdoms on the earth may know that, what, everybody? You alone? Okay, we keep it up there, guys, up there. So I'm going to give you one more shot. Just one more shot. Turn to your neighbor and say you need to wake up. Okay? Because this message takes about 29 minutes. But if y'all don't wake up, it's going to be 47 for sure. Are you out there? Oh, I thought you were. Here we go. On the earth that you may know that what? Is God real? Is God real? I want to impact you today. This word will stir your heart. It is food for your life. But believe me when I tell you that in this house right now, and those of you watching online, the God of the universe is waiting to see what our response is. He records our worship. And he's in the house today, not just to be the supreme God of the universe and other places that we've never known about, the whole world. The reality is he's right here, right now, ready to heal, ready to redeem, ready to save, ready to speak to your heart. And here it is, change your life. Amen? How does he do that? He does it through our listening, hearing the Word of God. And then not only do we want to be hearers of the Word of God, we want to be doers. So take this down in your spirit. Now, God, I'm going to hear the word. What is it that you want me to do with it? There's a game that some people play, and uh, it, it's called, Where Were You When You Heard the News? So I'm going to try it out, and you're going to have to help me. Those of you in the balcony, welcome. God bless you up there. How many of you remember where you were when you heard the news that John F. Kennedy was assassinated? You remember where you were? All right, that's good. How many of you uh, remember when you uh, 
happened to hear that Neil Armstrong had set foot on the surface of the moon. How many remember that? That's good. How many of you remember when you heard the news that President Ronald Reagan had been shot? I mean shot. There you go. That's good. How many of you remember where you were and what you were doing when you caught news and watched it when the Twin Towers 9-11 went down? You remember? Boy, that's a more recent, and the younger crowd is here today, and they understood that. It's a thought-provoking. It's kind of shocking when you get that kind of news. When something impacts your life so greatly, you remember where you were, you remember what you were doing. Friday night, Rob Tanner and his family, Lori, of course, all went to bed in their home. Rob, of course, is engaged in Royal Rangers and has been. He served as an usher. His boys, Ethan, of course, is probably 16 or 17. And of course, uh, Colin, of course, was is 15. And the reality is, uh, Lori woke up on, on Sunday morning or on Saturday morning yesterday, saw the light on in Colin's room and went in and saw her son laying in the floor dead. Can you imagine what that must have been to walk in and see your own flesh and blood that you gave birth to? A 15-year-old boy that was alive and well just 10 hours before, and you see them deceased in the floor. I cannot imagine what she must have thought and how she reacted. Human nature is about the same. She probably just fell apart immediately. She no doubt called out for Rob, and Rob went, and they discovered the news. It is true. He's not breathing. And so it is. A plethora of people, Wayne Elliott and others of the commanders and many of the Royal Rangers crowded into their home to give comfort and to give prayer and to give love to that family. That funeral, as far as we know, will be in this sanctuary, possibly, possibly this coming Friday. But I cannot imagine, I cannot imagine what that must be like. I remember where I was when I got the text. I was in the line, guess where? At McDonald's. <laughs> I was in the line at McDonald's. I had about 30 minutes I had to account for. And so I bought a bunch of sandwiches and found some homeless people. And I gave sandwiches away to some of the homeless and said, here. But when I got that text, I thought, wow, this family is going to need immediate ministry. Hezekiah, he's 39 years old. He's 39. How many of you are 39 and under? Raise your hand. Well, let me ask you again. How many of you are glad to be 39 and under? May I see your hand? How many of you are glad to be 39 and over? May I see your hand? That's right. Any day now, 39 years of age, pow, gets a letter. It's an enemy king that has given him a letter that literally takes his breath away. He looks at it and begins to read it. His tummy goes upside down, and this is what the letter says. He goes to the temple, spreads the letter out like we do these pr prayer cards, and he reads this. Hey, I'm going to kill every man, every woman, and every child. And that includes his extended family and anyone else there in Jerusalem. And it says, unless you surrender immediately and unconditionally, this king's enemy army is going to invade Jerusalem and kill every man, woman, and child and run them through with swords. Oh, God, where do you go? I want to run straight to the temple. He gets to the temple, spreads it out, and this is his prayer. My only hope 
in this situation is God. He is my only hope. It is God or a massacre. It's God or a total destruction and extinction. There is no human plan. It's either God, you step in, or it's lights out. It's lights out. May I suggest to you that God is zealously waiting for you to call on him, zealously waiting for you to make a request, zealously waiting for you to get out of the way so that he can move. May I suggest to you that culture is not in charge, the news media is not in charge, the news outlet is not in charge, no president, no king is in charge. I'm telling you, Jehovah God, who is the first and the last, is in charge today, determined to take that in your heart and believe it. God steps in or it's lights out. You think, wow, those of some of you have been there, what it's like to get a foreclosure notice. Of course, others of you know what it's like to be blindsided by a, a letter or a carrier that brings a divorce decree to your place of business or at home and says, hey, your partner wants a divorce. Or your business partner ran off with a bundle of money and, of course, left you destitute. It's like getting hit with a sledgehammer and you think, God, what in the world am I going to do? It's like, hey, God says, hey, let me take care of it. Either God is going to step in or you're going to face great, great difficulty alone. And so Hezekiah does this. In 2 Kings 19, verse number 14, I love this. It says, he went straight to the temple of the Lord and spread the letter out before God. And Hezekiah prayed this handwritten letter. And this is what he says. God, this problem is too big for me. I need you to look at it and read the letter in entirety. I need you to read every sentence, every word, because I, quite honestly, can't take this. He spread the letter out, and when he said that, he continued. 2 Kings 19, 15, O Lord, God of Israel, enthroned between the cherubim, you alone are God over all the kingdoms of the earth, and you alone made the heavens and the earth. Lord, we know that you are God. And that's just the preamble of the prayer. He's just warming up. What he's doing is begin to fill his faith tank. He begins to fill that faith tank until he realizes, hey, I need to get my eyes off my problem and get my eyes on the problem solver. So what does he do? He begins to exalt the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's reminding himself of the one who flung the stars into place. And he continues, O Lord, enthroned on high, you are the creator and the king of the universe. You're the one who controls everything, every king and every kingdom. You're the one with unlimited power. Hezekiah knew there is a big old difference between wishing some God will do something for you than believing it with all of your heart through the power of faith. And he is reminding himself, hey, the God that I serve is not absent. He's not missing in service. He begins to fill his own faith tank until he begins to fill the anointing. And two, it gets to the place that that which he knows and that which he believes is here. And he right here is emotionally split, spent and he begins to build until that which is emotionally spent reaches that point where his faith is active. And then he is able to say, it is not by might nor by power, but by my God's Holy Spirit that is able to do all things in Christ Jesus. 
May those of us in the church today remember we're not a bunch of wimps. We're not a bunch of has-beens. We're not a bunch of group that has no power. We have the fire and the anointing of the Holy Spirit functioning in and among us. And my friend, by the grace of God and the mercy of God, how true is that? He understood that faith is really critical to an effective prayer. There are times that I get discouraged, feel apathetic, and begin to pray. I don't know about you, okay, I got that covered, got devotions covered. Have you ever left God kind of suspended in midair? I mean, you start out really good and say, God, my Lord, have mercy. My mind's wandering here, there, and yon. Let me just say amen. Hello? Let me just say amen and get this over with. God's standing by and said, boy, you missed, you missed a good blessing there. Or you, you have the breath sucked out of you. And you just pray and pray and said, I've been praying for that and praying for this and praying for that person. And they get meaner. They don't understand. It's like, God, I don't know what I'm going to do. But when you begin to get serious and the realization of where you are at turns to desperation and your desperation turns into determination and your determination turns into creation, then the king of the universe says, I don't need anything to create something. I can create something out of nothing. If you speak a word, I can create something out of that. That's the God that you serve. It happens after desperation and trust in Almighty God. Often I feel my faith tank up by saying, look what the Lord has done. So I'm going to ask you to think, look what the Lord has done. The times that he's healed you, times he's healed your grandkids and protected them. One time he saved us from a head-on collision. Another in financial challenges that were there. Do you know what it's like to work and work and work and the paycheck is not quite enough? to be able to meet the need. Anybody out there know what that's like? You say, I work hard and hard and hard and just seems like I get farther and farther behind. Let me just tell you something, friend. That's a good test, test, test of faith because here's what I know. God's never forsaken us. He's never left us behind. And one way or the other, he'll bring to pass what we need to get the job done. You better say amen out there. Here we go. I want to give you an acronym. It's called ACTS. ACTS, A-C-T-S. So how do you do? How do you approach God? One, you start with adoration. Number two, you go to confession. Number three, to thanksgiving. And number four, to supplication. That formula works. Adoration. That's what it is. This morning, about an hour before service time, I was in my office. and I was feeling, God, this message, would you just impregnate the heart of every person there? God, let lives be touched and let the thousands that listen online, let them be impacted by the grace of God. And it seemed like a big old task. And I reached for a CD from a friend of mine that I've known for 45 years. And he's dead now. But I got to tell you, he had a set of pipes and he could sing. And I haven't heard that CD in a long time. And I just put her in, turned it on. Oh, the Holy Spirit began to move in my life. God will make a way where there is no way. Amen. Don't be afraid of the Red Sea. Don't be afraid of the lions in the den. Don't be afraid of the fire. God will make a way where there is no way. Do you hear me preaching this morning? He will make a way where there is no way. You know what the problem is, though? The problem is we don't go ahead and dive into that principal truth. We allows, I told a lady at the end of the first service, she said, I just don't know. 
I just, one thing, I take one step forward and two steps back. I don't know if this happened. I say, you don't have to know. Sometimes you don't need to be asking questions. Here's what you need to do. You have to determine and lock on to what you believe, trust God, and stand on it. And no matter what happens, you stand on it. Amen? You stand on it. Somebody say, amen. You stand on it. You get in big trouble, you stand on it. You know where Rob and them and Lord, where they're going to stand? They're going to stand on it by the grace of God. And we're going to envelop them with the power of love. You begin with worship and adoration. Hezekiah had filled his faith tank. And this is what he said. Oh, now, Lord, deliver us from his hand so that all the kingdoms of the earth will know that you alone are God. He's, he's in the temple. He has the letter spread. And he said, God, you deliver us from this king. Hezekiah did in the 6th century B.C., what the Apostle Paul did in the first century A.D., and what we're instructed to do is Paul writes in Philippians 4, verse number 6. Let your request be made known to God. Would you say that with me? Let your request be made known to God. Come on, say it again. Let your request be made known to God. Don't gossip. Don't complain. Don't whine. Hello? Let your requests be made known to God. You don't have to be perfect to do it. You don't have to have so many points in your spirit barometer. All you need to do is let your requests be made known to Almighty God. You don't have to use any flowery language. Our Heavenly Father, who art in heaven, Glory to your marvelous name that you made the mighty universe. You don't need any beads. You don't need any candles. You don't even need a clergy. All you need to do is find a place and say, God, here I am. It's me. I'm letting my request be made known. Amen. Hallelujah. I know it looks difficult, but I'm standing upon your word. You see, I'd like to bring to your attention, some people believe, of course, that the longer their prayer is. I, I've checked out a lot of people's prayer. I'm just confessing. It's like they're going to cover every ant in Africa, and I'm talking about the kind that crawl on the ground. They cover every situation, everything. I'm saying, Gmo Netty. Hurry up. Well, why would you say that, Pastor? Because Jesus taught it in Matthew 6, verse 7. When you pray, do not heap on empty phrases, thinking you will be heard for the many words you pray. Amen? Now, when you're praising, turn them loose. When you're in your closet, turn them loose. But my friend, when you come to his throne and you say, God, I got this challenge. God said, I know what you got. I just like hearing you say it. Amen. Go ahead and say it. And when you say amen, I'll get to work when you get out of the way. Amen. Here it is. You don't have to worry. And Hezekiah was illustrating that. Tell me what it is that you want. At a minister I had the privilege of working with, he's a well-known international minister. But he was teaching one night and preaching in a, 
in another state and his plane, of course, he had a plane that he had to catch. And when he was done, the ushers put him through the side door out the back. His car and driver were waiting out there to rush him to the airport. But there was this little old precious lady that he didn't want to run over. She was smack in the middle of the door. How are you, madam? It's so good to see you. She said, I, I, do you mind if I pray for you? I just want to pray over you. He said, well, ma'am, I really am really tight for time. But, well, you know, what is he going to do? He just, you don't mind, ma'am? Just go ahead and pray, and uh, then let me, let me catch my plane. He said, I bowed my head, did everything I know to do to say, get on it now. She reached up and grabbed his cheeks and pinched them. Then took both hands behind his neck, pulled his forehead down to her forehead. She was breathing on him, and she started praying. She says, now, Lord, I'm asking you, keep your hand upon this pastor. Bless him as he goes to get in the car. Let your presence be with him while his car's going down the highway. Bless him, Lord, at every stop sign. Keep your hand upon him as he gets to the airport. God, be with him as he puts his luggage on the luggage rack. Be with him when he goes down the hallway to the plane. Be with him when he goes through the door. Be with him when he finds a seat. Be with him when he buckles in, Lord. Be with him when he fastens that seatbelt. May he have a good flight. Be with him. And then, Lord, when he exits the plane, wherever it is he's going, he said she kept going on and on and on and on. And he said, I kept getting farther and farther away from God. Because what I was thinking. He said, I appreciated her efforts. But she was overlooking one thing. She was overlooking what Hebrews 13, 5 says, that God said to you, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. So here's what I have to know. I, I need to know that wherever I'm at, that God will not leave me nor forsake me. Amen? Whether I'm crying, whether I'm at Disney, he's been there many times. No matter where you're at in your car by yourself, at your altar. God is with you and not going to forsake you. Matthew 28, 20. Lo, that's when you don't fly. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. He said, I wanted to take a moment and teach her and say, sister, you didn't need to pray all that. What you should pray is simply this. Lord, make my pastor friend ever more aware of your constant presence. Make him aware of the anointing on your life. You understand? In other words, it's not the key to the prayer. He prays God to Hezekiah, Lord, deliver us from the hand of this wicked king so that, so that the entire earth may know. The people you work with know. The people that you employ, do they know? Do your family know about your faith and your love for Jesus? Do those that you fellowship with and those of you that have uh, moments of saying, let's go to dinner, do they know? 
In other words, Hezekiah is saying, God, I don't, I don't want you to do that just so I can keep my job and stay alive. I want you to do it because I want everybody to know so that you are the one who brought deliverance to us. I don't want that. Lord, bless me. So here's what James says in James 4, verse 3. He said, when you say so that, he says, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. That you may spend what you get on your selfish pleasures. He said, don't always remember, God, I need you to heal me so that your name might be honored. God, I need you to save me from financial ruin so that I can tell others, look what the Lord has done. God, I need you to heal my wayward son or daughter or grandchild so that your name will be exalted. So that one more time, that which I believe will come to pass because, God, you promised never to leave us nor forsake us. If you think for one minute that your, your unsaved family member, son or daughter, is out there running around and there's no hook on them, you better think again. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the Holy Ghost, no matter where they're at, no matter what they're doing, my God is there, amen, and has his hand on the neck of their neck and can move mountains to bring them to a place of repentance. Y'all with me, aren't you? No doubt about it. I trust God. What's God's goal? Is to form us in the image of Jesus Christ. To be like Jesus. To be like Jesus. All I ask is to be like Him from to whom. You got it? We want you to be like him. God did not say, I want you to be like Pastor Blackburn. God forbid. <laughs> You'd be in big trouble. I want to be like even Sister Hicks. God forbid. Here's what he says. You don't have to be perfect for me to love you. Just believe. Just believe. Hezekiah's there. He's praying and he's praying so that. So then, look what the Lord has done. Deliver us from his hand so that the kings of the universe will know your God. So Hezekiah's there praying. The letter's spread out. And a prophet walks up to him, taps him on the shoulder, and said, Hezekiah, God's heard your prayer. <laughs> really? He sure has. Hezekiah said, oh, thank God, the prophet, God's heard my prayer. Let me get the bugle team and let's start blowing the horns. We're getting ready to go in the battle. God's got this. And the prophet said, no, don't move a finger. God's got this so that his name will be exalted. You just sit still. God said, I've got this. He said that before Thornhill and Thornhill said it on their little lawyer commercials. How many of you believe God's got this? What are you willing to give up to God and say, God, I'm believing you have it. But you know, when you believe God's got it, you know what you have to do then? Get out of the way. Amen? Begin to use adoration. Begin to praise him. Begin to believe. And here's what the prophet said in 2 Kings 19.31. The zeal of the Almighty 
will accomplish this. In other words, he says, God is so anxious to be able to meet the need. And so what happened? God sent one angel, not 10,000 angels, one angel, just one. Sent in the middle of 185,000 of the strongest soldiers known in that day, 185,000 of them, and one angel took them all out, and they died. Listen, we're fasting and we're praying and we're believing. And I'm not looking for angels. Here's what I'm looking for. Our faith to rise and say, God, I believe you got this. I'm trusting you. The Tanner family, they're an integration, integrated part of our church. Though it's hard to explain this or explain that, you don't even try. You just say, hey, God knows what he's doing. Amen? You're in financial challenge. God knows what he's doing. you got unsafe family members. God knows what he's doing. you got a business that's upside. God knows what he's doing. My friend, we need to believe it in Jesus' name. Let's give the Lord a clap offering. Would you do that? Would you stand? Heavenly Father, we thank you for these moments together and for the word that you have imparted into our hearts. We've heard a good word today right from your throne. And we know that what we ought to do is pray in adoration, exalt you, and through the power of confession. And then, Lord, we make our requests known to you. And we tell you, and we just get out of the way, and we believe that. God, I know that there are many needs spread out in this audience and those that are watching online and many who will see this later through the technology of our church. I pray that in this room right now you'll speak to our hearts because I know that there are some whose life is not in tune with you. Their heart of hearts is not really in tune with you. And God, the great critical thing that takes place when our hearts do not believe you, it's very difficult according to the plan of Scripture, to meet a need. But yet we know that you bring blessing upon the just and the unjust. But how wonderful it is when I have found you as my Lord and Savior and I'm serving you, and I ask you to answer my prayer. That's beautiful favor. And I pray now for those in this room that may not be right, those listening online and those watching this by whatever means they watch, we're asking you, to please forgive. And would every person here just simply pray this prayer after me? Would you do that? Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, I thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Please forgive me. I confess with my mouth that I have sinned and I believe by faith that you have redeemed me. So now, Lord Jesus, Write my name in the Lamb's book of life as redeemed. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. We know that God answers prayer. May I tell you that in this room right now, the healer is here. He's zealously waiting. You see, Hezekiah ran straight to the temple. And he spread it out before the Lord and said, here's the letter, read it. There's something about bringing your requests known to God and bringing them and 
being prayed for? Is any sick among you, any afflicted? Let them just call on the elders of the church, anoint them with oil, pray the prayer of faith. I feel that maybe some of you have a son or a daughter or grandchild that you've really been hammering the heavens with. Well, let me encourage you, begin to let the prayer of adoration go. Begin to thank him for what it is you believe that you see in their future. And you can come down and be anointed in their behalf. I want you to know that'll give you a free pass past the whole line into the front. Let it be so as we sing. We'll wait on you to come as God directs. Would you do that right now? You come and let God minister, meet your need. Here we go, everybody. We'll wait on you in the balcony. Come on down. Give myself away so you can use me. Give myself away. Some of you leaders help us pray. Myself away. Some of you leaders help us, please. Amen. Come on, let's worship. We're going to wait on others to be prayed for. Sing it. Come on, worship Jesus. Here we go. We want everybody to be prayed for.
Heavenly Father, I thank you today for what we have sensed and heard and felt. And we don't want to be just hearers, we want to be doers. So we're going to leave this room and we're going to impact that culture out there that thinks they rule. We're going to tell everybody we know that, boy, God ministered and met needs here at Victory Church on this wonderful Sunday morning. And then as we have a time to relax this afternoon, bring us back tonight and get ready for the blessings to pour out. And then as we begin to pray for hundreds and thousands of cards tonight, we're going to believe that every need will be met. That's who we are. That's our call. That's our place. That's our assignment. So would you do what we cannot do and minister and meet every single need. And we give you praise and honor and glory in Christ's name. Don't forget, take a look at what's going on in the lobby. Women's event. Turn to somebody that you think looks better than you do. Shake their hand as you leave. God bless you, everybody. Give myself away.